0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Josiah is one of the last of the kings, and yet the scripture says that there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might According to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Now that's high praise. That's God saying, let me tell you something about this king, Josiah. There was no king ever like him that ever ever sat on a throne before or after. We could say according to God's word that this is the best of the best. This was the king that was really head and shoulders above all the others. His heart uh, was wholly after God. His desire was to honor God. And the most amazing thing about this young man's life begins in verse 1 of chapter 34. Follow along as I read. The Bible says Josiah was all of eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. I want you to think about that. It's an eight-year-old boy that is about to ascend to the throne. And this eight-year-old boy is to become the greatest king of all of Judah. And God tells us about this young boy in verse number two. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord And walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, all right, somebody do quick math. He starts at eight, and this is the eighth year of his reign. How old is he? 16. All right, so now we go from being a young child that has a heart for God to being a teenager that has a heart for God. This is an amazing thing. You know, we live in a world that we look around at this younger generation and some of us are are saying, is there any hope? And yet I, I go to God's word and I say, absolutely there's hope because God's still in the business of getting hold of the hearts of children and teenagers if they would just yield themselves to God. And that's exactly what Josiah did here. So, as an 8-year-old, he's on the throne. As the 16-year-old, the Bible says here, in the 8th year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images. Father, help me this morning. As I desire to just be, Lord, your mouthpiece. God, this is your holy word. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you gave to us uh, the life and testimony of Josiah. And I pray this morning as we look into this young life that we would be encouraged to realize that, God, you can do some amazing things if we would simply yield to you. We would simply seek your face. We would simply humble ourselves. And God, I pray that through the testimony and life of Josiah in this service, that we would be encouraged to seek after you. With all of our hearts, with all of our strength, with all of our might, God help it to be so. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, young Josiah is, uh, to me, one of the stellar characters in the Scripture because of, really, the the background that he comes from. Ammon, his dad, is only 16 years old when Josiah is born. He's he's raised by a young teenage rebel. Uh, Ammon, in the Scripture, is so vile, the Bible says, that God removed him almost as soon as he put him on the throne. Uh, his dad ruled for all of two years. It was that wicked of a rule and wicked of a reign. Matter of fact, the very, his very own servants at his house said, we've had enough of this guy and they assassinate the master. Now, Ammon comes from the loins of really one of the most despicable kings in all of history, Manasseh. Manasseh was a vile, wicked king. He ruled for 55 years. And it wasn't until the end of his life, when he's in chains in Babylon, that he repents and gets rights with God, and God puts him back on the throne. But the the scripture tells us here that uh, this Josiah would have been alive for six years of the reign of Manasseh and the two years of his daddy's reign, Ammon. So now he's got a decision to make, doesn't he? His whole life he's known Manasseh and Ammon. He's known their uh, wickedness. He's, he's known here their bringing in godlessness into the land. And yet, with a tender heart, as an eight-year-old boy, he says, I'm not going that direction. Isn't that amazing? An eight-year-old boy is able to say, you know, there's right and there's wrong. And my dad was wrong. There's right and there's wrong. And my grandfather, for most of his life, he was wrong. I'm going to go a new direction. I'm going to seek after God. I'm desiring here for my life to glorify my God. His dad was filled with pride, according to the previous chapter, chapter 33. Uh, The Bible tells us here in verse 23 a little bit about his daddy. The scripture says... I'll I'll read verse uh, 22. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh his father. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made, and served them, and humbled not himself before the Lord. As Manasseh his father had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more. I wonder if in Ammon's young rebellious heart, okay, he's going to take the throne... At 22, he'll be dead at 24 in the grave. But I wonder if he thought, you know, my dad had five decades to sow his wild oats. Speaking of Manasseh. And God didn't seem to judge him too harshly in those first five decades. I'm young. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to just... Play around with my life and have fun and, and, and do what the world does. And, and, and maybe in the back of his mind, there's the thought is, God will be merciful to me like he was my dad. God will give me a long life like he gave my dad. But he didn't realize it before he even got started, he struck down. Listen, don't you ever think in your life that you can presume on the mercy of God. Because none of us have any guarantees. We just need to live for the Lord today right now. we just need to make sure here that our lives are in tune with his word and so the young king Josiah is about to start number one tonight in your, this morning in your notes and by the way, this is a two- parter uh, this morning we're looking at Josiah's worthy walk and uh, tonight we're going to look at Josiah's willful walk and and uh, we're going to take both aspects of these two chapters. But this morning let's focus here on his worthy walk. Josiah's occupation with a godly walk. Verse number two. Let's read it again. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. First thing I see here in scripture concerning Josiah's life is that he was given over completely To a walk with God. This verse talks to us about several things. First of all, there was an awareness of God. For the scripture says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You know, it's easier to do right when you recognize that you're not alone and that God's there. It's easier for us to do right when we recognize that he's everywhere. He sees everything we do. We teach it to the boys and girls. Uh, Oh, be careful. Uh, uh, You know, how does it go? It's been so long. But, But your eyes for the Father up above, you could probably sing it better than I can. Looking down in love, all right? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, hands, what you do, ears, what you hear. Why? Because your Father sees it all. He does. And Josiah did right because he realized that his life was In the presence of God, he was living his life in God's presence. There was an awareness of God's presence in the sight of the Lord. Number two, there's an attraction to godly people. He walked in the ways of David, his father. Now, he would have had access here, I'm sure, to the history of the kings. And he would have been able to read about all that his granddad Manasseh did. And, and, uh, of course, the short life of his father, Ammon. And he could have read of David and read of Solomon. And yet, he's attracted, the scripture says here, to David. And the Bible says he's walking in the ways of David, his father. And declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. So his occupation with a godly walk. He's aware of God's presence. He's attracted to godly people. And he's advancing. He's walking. He's advancing on a righteous path. You know, the very concept of walking is movement. Movement. I mean, i mean, they're walking forward, I can walk backward, but it's movement, it's, it's moving. And here the Bible says that his walk was such that it was straight as could be. He's not going to deviate to the right, he's not going to deviate to the left, he's just going to stay right on course, and his course was set for him by God in his holy word. And he says, I'm not going that way, I'm not going this way. I am going God's way. So the first thing I note about Josiah is an early decision in his life to be really occupied with a personal walk with God. Just personally walking with God. Listen, that's the most important job that any one of us have in this room is to have a real walk with the Lord where we meet with Him on a day-by-day basis. We spend time with Him in prayer. We open up His Word and He teaches us Everything good that can flow into our life begins with that personal walk with him. And so we see that in young Josiah's life. Number two, not only an occupation with a godly walk, but beginning in verse number three, notice his hatred for sin, or I'll call this Josiah's obliteration of godless worship. He had no toleration for it whatsoever. Verse three says this, For in the eighth year of his reign, remember he's 16 years old, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of, his, of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places. And from the groves. And the carved images. And uh, the molten images. What we see here, first of all, letter A, is a pursuit of God. In the eighth year, he began to seek God. Seek after God. Pursue God. This was something that he realized as a king that uh, he just needed God in his life and, he, and he's pursuing after the Lord. Listen, that's a worthy pursuit for any one of us. Where are you going to find God? If you don't find God here in his word, if you don't spend that time with him here, how, how are you really going to know him? You, you can't make it on one hour a week. You can't make it on coming and just hearing a message or two messages or three or four messages a week. You need so desperately to have God speak to you personally through his word. And so we see here the pursuit after God. And, and as you pursue after God, there's certain things that you're going to want to forsake. And so we see the purging of the false gods. He starts in, in Jerusalem and Judah and he is purging them out of the realm. And from verse number 4 through 7, it's really interesting. He, he, he starts there right where he is in his own house, seeking after the Lord, and then he purges the city of Jerusalem, and then the country, the, the tribe of Judah, and, and the real estate around Judah, and the next thing you know, he's going up to other tribes to the north as well with that same heart to purge and the scripture tells us, beginning in verse 4, And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. And the images that were on high above them, he cut down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. He break in pieces and made dust of them and stowed it uh, unto the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priest. Unto their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon. And unto Naphtali and there uh, maddox uh, round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves. And had beaten the graven images into powder. And cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel. He returned to Jerusalem. Now I don't have the time to go into all the detail of this but this is a a prophetic fulfillment of a a 350 year old prophecy given by an unknown prophet. Some of you remember when the kingdom was divided, Jeroboam and Rehoboam are going to split the nation in half. And we're going to see here that Jeroboam is going to take those ten northern tribes and uh and rehoboam the the young king uh the 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 child of uh solomon here he goes to get counsel remember the story uh he goes to the old men and the old men counsel him on what to do and they said listen here's what you do serve your people become a servant and he said, okay, I'll get back to you in a couple days. And then he went to his young friends that he grew up with, the Bible says. And he says, well, you give me counsel. What should I do? And they said, you know, whatever your dad did in taxation, double it. If if daddy here was like the, the thigh of his leg in, in, uh, or, or like your pinky in weight, uh, you you put on the pressure like your, your thigh. I mean, they were just counseling them to tax the people like crazy and, uh, and the old people said no, you just become a servant to them and if you will serve the people they'll love you they'll follow you well, what, what advice did he take? the young men he took the young men's advice he split the kingdom in two there was a rebellion there was a revolt there was a a man that came up to the forefront, Jeroboam, and he would become the leader of those ten northern tribes and The very first thing here that Jeroboam did is he had worship that he set out through all the ten tribes that was fake priests and fake worship and fake altars and a fake place to come and it was it it, it was totally here um, uh, made up in his head concerning worship and the tragedy is that in the moment that he offered sacrifices the Bible says he got the lowest of the people to become priests and they were not of the tribe of Levi he just picked the lowest of the people and said okay you be the priest and you be the priest and you be the priest and it was vile it was wicked And he's going to offer sacrifices on this offering. And here comes this unknown prophet to prophesy against him. And if you go back and you look at that prophecy from 350 years before, that prophet is going to name a future king that is going to burn the bones and the ashes. And he's going to name him Josiah. And 350 years here, Josiah is born. And Josiah the fulfillment is in these verses of the prophecy from well over 300 years before. You can study it for yourself as you go to First Kings uh, chapter number 13. You can read the account yourself. And we see here that Josiah is God's man for purging the land. Josiah's occupation, Josiah's obliteration, of the godless worship, his pursuit after God, his purging of the false gods, and his public display. His public display. You know, he wasn't doing this uh, anonymously. He was doing this out in the open. He was leading the charge. He would find the false prophets, and, and as you compare Scripture with Scripture, he's having publicly them assassinated, killed for their trespass against God. And so Josiah here is doing all he can to see that nation turn back to God. Number three. Let's look at now from verse number eight forward. This is Josiah's overseeing of God's work. So now that the trash is taken care of, the Bible says in verse number eight, now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house he sent, uh, Saphan, the son of Azalea, and uh, all of these sons, okay, let, let me go. The last phrase says, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And through these next verses, you see the beginning of the repairing of God's house. He begins to repair. He's a 26-year-old man. He's determined from the time he was 8 years old that I want to be God's man. There as he's 16 uh, years old, you see him taking some tremendous stands as he seeks after the Lord. He's purging uh, as a a 22-year-old man. He's rebuilding as a 26-year-old man. The life of Josiah is one of giving himself over to God and what God wants him to do. So there's the repairing of the house. And then in this passage, you see there's resources that are given for God's work. By the way, verse 9 mentions money. And when they came to Helkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money. The next couple of verses talk about these resources, the money that was given. What they do with the money, they use it for God's ministry. And, you know, when we give to the Lord, let's understand that ministry does take money. It always has taken money. It always will take money. That's God's plan and program. We give to the Lord so that His work can move forward for His glory. And God here begins to start working in some marvelous, marvelous ways. Matter of fact, as they're rebuilding, something amazing happens now in uh, verse number 14. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Saphin the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. What an amazing thing. That's astounding to me that up until this time, Josiah really doesn't have the law that he's referencing to do all the reforms he's doing. He's seeking the Lord. He's trusting God. Maybe he had other portions of Scripture, but they did not have the law, and it's uncovered as they're rebuilding the temple, cleaning the temple, And the very first thing that you see here in the text is the heart of Josiah to hear the word of God. He's desiring to know God's word. And that's number four. Josiah's obsession with God's word. Um, There's a lot of things that God could do with any one of us here this morning. He wants. To, I believe with all my heart he'd love to use every one of us in his work. He'd love to take you and use you in your family, in your neighborhood. He'd love to use you to have an impact in those groups that you may be a part of. But can I tell you something? Until something happens in each of our heart to where there is a hunger for the Word of God to transform us from the inside out, we will never really have that impact. I mean a love for the book, a heart for the book. The book is uncovered, and the next thing you know, verse 18, the end of the verse, they're reading from the book before the king. Verse 19, And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Let's look at this thought of this obsession with God's word. He's hearing it, verse number 18. He's willing to listen to it. I commend you for being here this morning. I commend you for having a heart to say, I just want to learn God's word. I, I want to be at a place where God's word is exalted. Uh, where, where God's word is preached without uh, apology. It is thus saith the Lord. Uh, we can trust it. Uh, we, we, we don't have to change it. It is what it is. It's a narrow book. We're, we're narrow people. We, we believe what God's word has to say. And, and so there ought to be a desire for us to hear it, but then also heed what the word of God says. That means to do it. Do you, do you, do you see here in the text, verse number 21? Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left of Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord. That is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. His heart is broken. He recognizes it all comes down to what you do with God's word. Are you open to hearing it and then are you open to heeding it? Doing. James tells us not just to be hearers of the word but what? Doers. Doers. And that's who Josiah was. He was a doer of the word. But it wasn't enough for Josiah. It wasn't just something that he wanted. He wanted others to have it as well. So as you read through the rest of the text, you come to verse number 30, and the scripture says, And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests, and the Levites, and all the people, great and small. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. It's one thing for you to hear it for yourself and one thing for you to obey it, heed it. But it's another thing to herald the word of God. Can I tell you something? This book will make a difference in other people's life just like it made a difference in your life. This will change others' lives. We've got to point them back to God's truth, to God's word. We need to be a people of the book. When people ask us an answer to a question, the first thing out of our mouth ought to be, well, what does God say on that? Maybe share a verse, share a passage of Scripture. Allow them here to see that God's Word is where we go for answers to life's difficulties and life's problems. So Josiah's obsession was with the Word of God to hear it, to heed it, to herald it. And then we see Josiah's obedience to God's Word. It's wonderful. Because I'm looking at this boy king whose heart now, after he hears the word of God, to simply do everything it says. Verse 31, would you follow with me? And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord. And to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. What made him the greatest king in all of history? What made him the king that God looked down and God said, you know, compared to Josiah, there's nobody like him before it and nobody like him after it. It was this one thing. God's word ruled in his heart. God's rule was the final authority for his life. God's word was precious to him. God's word was worthy of being read and worthy of being studied and worthy of being heeded and worthy of being proclaimed. It changed his life. It changed the direction of his family. It changed the community. It changed his nation because he took the word of God personally and said, It's true. And I want to live by the precepts of God's holy word. And so we see Josiah's obedience to God's word. There's the personal declaration that we just read in verse number 31. The king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord. It's a personal declaration. God, your word is true and I make a promise, a covenant that I'm going to keep your word. Young people, you need to look at God's Word and then you need to look at what the world is saying and you need to say, listen, I'm going to turn my back on what the world is offering and I'm going to just believe God. And I'm going to rest on God's truth and God's Word. I may not understand it all, but I do recognize that what God reveals to me, I'm going to obey because I want to please Him. And let me tell you, there are blessings in store for those that simply want to obey God's word. So he makes the personal declaration, but he also makes a very public declaration. In the very next verse, verse number 32. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of his fathers. So, Beyond just a personal declaration, he's desiring here for the people to declare as well. It's public. Publicly as a nation, we're with God. We believe his word. We're standing where God stands. Uh, the issues of the day, they're not really complicated. It, the, the question always comes back to, what does God say on the matter? You say, I'm confused about uh, you know, gender and what gender I am. Well, just go to the Word of God and God clears it up for you. He says God made male and female in the beginning. Nothing complicated about that. N- nothing I have to wonder about. God's clear. His Word says so. God says here that intimacy in a physical sense between a man and a woman is, is, is designed for marriage. It's His plan. Anything outside His plan is sinful and rebellion. It's not complicated. It's just His word. And we're desiring here to just follow after Him. Personal declaration, a public declaration, and a purposeful declaration. What was it all about? He just wanted people that were prepared to serve God. For the emphasis here of verse number 33 is simply that, middle of the verse, and made all that were present in Israel uh, to serve even to serve the Lord their God. Can I tell you something? You're not really serving God when you're not really listening to God. When you're not in God's word, when you're not getting God's heart and God's mind. Josiah knew that if we're going to have a nation that's going to be all about God and serving God, then we're just going to have to know him and know his truth. So the amazing life of Josiah, an occupation with a godly walk, A willingness to obliterate godless worship. Get rid of the junk. Just get rid of it. Josiah knew that that's what hurt his dad, and that's what hurt his granddad. And so he said, You know, let's just get rid of it all. An overseeing of God's work. He's involved in the repairing of the temple. They find the Word of God, and now it's all about what does the Word of God say? An obsession here with the Scripture. To what end? To obey it, to obey it. And all the blessings that can come on any individual life, no matter what age we happen to be, if we'll just follow the principles laid out in the life of Josiah. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.